What we're going to do is we're going to turn the lights on on the boogeyman. Oh. And we're going to try to examine this from a biblical perspective. Now, uh, what's the boogeyman is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what's the boogeyman out to get everybody? So we're going to turn the lights on the boogeyman and talk about him a little bit. It's incompatible with Christianity. I'm not afraid of other ideas. Yes. Bring them on. Right. God's ideas win every time. That's right. Believers should be the first ones in line to say, I don't stand for this and I'm going to call it out. You know what we're about to do? We're about to get real. We're about to have conversations that Christians have behind closed doors. The scary ones, the ones that make you feel uncomfortable, that's where we're going. Why? Because we're family. Ustedes son mi familia. So this is the Bryant and Janelle podcast. She's Janelle. I'm Bryant. And if you don't want to miss anything, just hit that subscribe button. This is the Bryant and Janelle podcast. We know we can't take you down. This is psychological warfare to make you think twice before you do or say something. The other absolutely draining and unrelenting issue has been that of racial reconciliation. My family and I have faced constant threats from white nationalists and white supremacists. And he said, this is just a tiny sample of what I've experienced every single day. Do you remember the 1990s actor Fred Savage? Oh, yeah. Fred Savage, he was like the, the star of Wonder Years. Oh, yeah, I remember him. And, and he then, was the little boy having the story read to him in The Princess oh, Bride. Yes. Okay, yes, I remember. I had a roommate in college who kept confusing him with Randy Savage, which is an entirely <laughs> different person. Oh, man. <laughs> He'd be like, you see Randy Savage? I was like, dude, that's not him. It's Fred Savage. <laughs> well, that would be a hilarious skit, though, to have the Wonder Years setting, and then out comes Randy Savage. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember as a family, we watched the Wonder Years. Like mm. every week it came out, my mom loved the show. So we all okay. watched it together. Uh, and Fred Savage was also the star of a movie. I forget the name of it, but it like it was a movie that gave a sneak peek at Super Mario Brothers 3. Oh, cool. And all the little boys oh. were so excited to go see this. Mm-hmm. But I bring all that up because there's one particular film that we're going to use as a springboard today. And it's called oh. Little Monsters. Do you remember Little Monsters? Uh-huh. When you were <laughs> saying Fred Savage and movie, that's the one I thought of. So it's one you ought to show your kids. It's fascinating. Okay. And let me just say that with caution because I don't remember it in much detail. So if you watch it and you're offended, (laughs) it's Janelle's idea. (laughs) But it's a concept that um, there are monsters under your bed. Like there are. Mm -hmm. And they have a whole little monster world underneath it. Oh, that's cool. But Fred Savage's character catches one of them. (laughs) Okay. And they become friends. Yeah. And so, but the, the idea is the way you get them is you turn the lights on. Like they can't handle the lights. Oh, is one of the ways cool. you get them. Mm-hmm. You turn the lights on and they like kind of melt or whatever. Yeah, I forget what exactly happened, but yeah, he caught Howie Mandel. Is that who was playing that monster? Yep. Oh wow, I didn't even know that. It was a 1989 film. Is Did what, they as make it again? No? I have no idea. Oh. Um, but what what I can tell you is that um, the concept of the film is based on the way parents deal with scary monsters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, if your kid's like, oh, there's a monster in my closet, there's a monster under the bed, what do you do? You turn the lights on. Turn on, on the light, yeah. That's right. And you're like, look, and you go, see, nothing there, you're okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and that's where the whole concept of the film comes from, is this common idea, which is what you do with what I would call the boogeyman. Right. Any kind of boogeyman. Mm-hmm. And we've discovered and we've known for 
couple weeks now, yeah. I don't know, months, who knows, that there is a big undercurrent going on in culture and in the church that has to do with a boogeyman of sorts. Oh. And this particular boogeyman is out to get America, and now he's out to get the church. Oh, man. Like, And there's multiple stories locally popping up about it, yeah. multiple stories nationally about this boogeyman. And so, and people are making money on making you scared of the boogeyman. That's right. Hmm. You get to say boogie a lot this morning, which is kind of fun. (laughs) Yeah, I have a strange desire to grab a Kleenex. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, this is how people make money in 2021, Mm -hmm. is they they figure out what's the boogeyman that's scaring people. Yeah. And then they scare you more about it. And you watch them more and they make money on advertising. Now that you bring that up, as we look at this boogeyman, it makes me think, you you saw how like things kind of calmed down. It's not 2020 anymore. And so people have <laughs> been talking about, man, the news networks are probably like, man, there's nothing to talk about. There's money involved, you know? And so part of me wonders if this has like ramped up and become a thing because it's like people in the boardroom at any news station. We found the boogeyman. Yes. There you go. Just talk about it. They'll watch us. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so glad you said that because there, there's truth in that. Like yeah. every news station needs to find some reason for you to be frightened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that will get you to watch. The, mm-hmm. if, if, if the headline is, you know, breaking news, CNN, breaking news, Fox, <laughs> everything's fine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Nothing no, to worry about today. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> everything's getting better. <laughs> Let's go down to an interview about this. Yes. Uh, I'm here live in Cleveland. <laughs> everything's great. And these people are awesome. Like they, they make money when you're scared. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But as we know in the Christian faith, we don't be scared about stuff. Mm-hmm. We got our fear savior. Not. If we're supposed to fear now, we're not supposed to be fearful. So what we're going to do is we're going to turn the lights on on the boogeyman. Oh. And we're going to try to examine this from a biblical perspective. Now, uh, what's the boogeyman is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. As okay. So what's the boogeyman out to get everybody right now? I think that the boogeyman is critical race theory. Ooh. Yes. Oh. So we're going to turn the lights on the boogeyman <laughs> and talk about him a little bit. I'll join you too. Like a superhero. Like, you know, when really? you, when you like put light on the boogeyman and kind of like just show him out and get him out. Or I don't know if you're going to get him out. I don't know if you're going to be that type of superhero. Well, I'm generally not the guy that, that rescues people. I'm the guy yeah. that turn the lights on and run. That's you know? it. <laughs> so okay. we'll see how this turns out. Yeah. But I've noticed in the last number of months how much the phrase critical race theory has mm-hmm. dominated discussion. Yeah. Even uh, locally, there's been yes. stories coming up in a school in a local city of people. There's anger around it. There's a lot of passion around it. And like you said, fear. So we want to turn the lights on and kind of see if we can examine this from a biblical perspective. Again, we strongly emphasize living our lives, as Paul wrote in Romans 12, too, that we got to let God transform us into new people by changing the way we think. Mm -hmm. We can't let critical race theory guide how we think about the world. We can't let Ron guide us how we think about the world. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, he can guide us a little bit. (laughs) A little bit. No, but the the word of the Lord has to. Yes. Amen. With that in mind... This thing has been up all over the place. There's state legislatures passing laws banning the teaching of critical race theory across the country. I know I set aside an article a number of weeks ago from Rocky River where mm-hmm. it made local headlines that there's a group of Rocky River parents 
that spoke out at Rocky River City School District meeting saying that keep this out of our schools. About a dozen parents and guardians, it says in this WKYC article during a public comment period, argued that the program that the school district is using is basically secretly critical race theory. It's called something else, but we know we really know what it is. The person says, I'm here to voice my opposition to the Marxist critical race theory practices being forced into our school system. Uh, he said the superintendent has vehemently denied that the Jedi program is what it's, it's an acronym. It's not Star Wars. It's oh, something rats. Uh, yeah. That would have been so cool to have Jedis trained so close to here. <laughs> I know. But so the, the Jedi program, the superintendent is saying, is not teaching these ideologies. However, this parent said, I, along with a large group of concerned residents, have done our research, consulted other districts, and have seen the doctrines of critical race theory exposed in institutions around the country. And wow. it's here. It's coming to get our kids. It's the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. Get him out of here. Mm-hmm. I added that last part. Yeah. But or, or how like a boogeyman to be in disguise even. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's even even more catchy. It's not a coat on on the coat hook in your in your room. Mm-hmm. It's the boogeyman. Yep. Okay. And then also just <laughs> recently an article at Christianity Today, long article talking about an internal divide within crew. The organization formerly known, I feel like I'm talking about Prince when I do this, but uh, the Campus Crusade for Christ. There was a a letter circulated throughout the employees of this organization called Seeking Clarity and Unity, as there's a group of employees, uh, it's a grassroots group of employees, that thinks that critical race theory has invaded the organization itself Mm. and has dominated how they approach issues of race and diversity. Mm. And I could go on and on about this, but it's like dividing the company. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And the board at Crew is having to develop a whole system to try to like clarify whether or not they are adopting critical race theory. Hmm. I mean, it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of people like me who say, well, what what really is critical race theory? Yeah. Right. It's kind of like throwing around the QAnon conspiracy term and I have to stop and say, wait a minute, I got to go look up what that actually means before I can contribute. The right. same with critical race theory. It's like, okay, the name doesn't really tell me anything about it. No, it's nebulous. It's difficult to understand. I think your QAnon comparison is pretty good mm-hmm. because QAnon takes a long time to unravel. Yeah. yeah to understand it, it takes quite a bit of time. And I watched a documentary about it, even trying to figure this out, multi-episode documentary. And I still don't quite get it. Yeah. But I think this is what happens with critical race theory is that just like the QAnon, we go by, well, Uncle So-and-so said this is what it is. It's wrong. You know, versus going to a trusted source and saying, well, what exactly is critical race theory or what it, like you said, with the documentary and even with going to a trusted source or a more trusted source than Uncle So-and-so. There's still confusion. Oh, yeah. In fact, I remember listening to an interview on the Holy Post podcast between mm-hmm. Sky Jatani, who's going to be on the show tomorrow, and Pastor Charlie Dates, who's been a speaker at Men's Conference. Yes. Where he asked Pastor Charlie Dates about critical race theory, and Pastor Charlie was like, well, you know, a lot of people don't totally get it. There's not real clear consensus that everyone agrees exactly what it means and how to apply it. So what is it? Yeah. We tried to figure out 
And we're going to examine over the next few minutes a couple of questions. First of all, what is critical race theory? Because that is the, the key thing. If, mm-hmm. if it's the boogeyman, we got to try to figure out what it is. Right. Turn the lights on. What do we do with controversial theories? we got to examine that question. Mm-hmm. And then we have to figure out if racism exists, and it does. It has right. existed since the beginning of time, since yeah. the world created the right. world and we sinned. Mm-hmm. And we're not just talking whites against blacks. No. Yeah. Racism is... All against all. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's anybody a, outside of my group, mm-hmm. I tend to have a bias against. It's a consequence of the fall. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if racism does exist, and let's assume CRT has got some problems in it, critical race theory, what do we do? How do we handle that? We're going to start examining this together in just a few. First of all, they have been pampered for years on our campuses and fed critical race theory by these liberal professors. So it's not surprising and there are those who are following them that are perhaps well-intended but misled into believing that they are pursuing justice for blacks. And so it is not the case. And since the messengers were black, we felt that the counter voice to this should be black as well. And that's why I've assembled 28 of the top black scholars, and not only scholars, but activists, because we're not intending to just add to the gladiatorial debate we're offering through these series of 28 essays an inspirational and an aspirational alternative narrative. One of the dangers of Christians adopting that framework is that these problems and or solutions may never be defined in scripture. You may never see this in scripture. It doesn't believe that there's a God, right? Marxism is atheistic and doesn't believe there's absolute truth. You have to understand it before you just deny it and demonize it. So understanding it means you're going to have to study it. And you'll be surprised. We're turning the lights on the boogeyman. Who's the boogeyman we've been noticing over the last few months and just quite haven't quite known when and how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. We're going to start that process now. The boogeyman has become critical race theory. Yeah. And the fear, it, like you said, it's coming out to get our kids in school with it being in different curriculums, but even like you're saying, the church and our discussions on issues like racism. Oh, yeah. In fact, it's dividing Campus Crusade for Christ yeah. dramatically inside of their organization. Uh, we've got parents across the country going to school board meetings and complaining. We've got state legislatures trying to pass mm-hmm. laws against mm-hmm. teaching critical race theory. And yet, I think if you walked up to the average person and said, what is critical race theory? They'd go, oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that, yes, yeah. I agree. And then you'll have others that's like, oh, it's Marxism being taught. In, right. Like, it, it, right. I've seen immediate, like, this is what it is. And it's like, when, I, when you're looking at what it was and how it came from more than a few decades ago, you're like, whoa. What are people, are people just throwing out terms because they hear so-and-so talking about CRT. Well, and I think people tend to do that because, quite frankly, it's a really abstract concept. So mm-hmm. let's let's try to get our heads around what is critical race theory if we're going to examine it from a biblical perspective. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm a former educator. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, not even close. I'm like average intelligence, okay? <laughs> or below average. I don't know. Call, oh, call it whatever right. you want. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, I, but I tend to, to like enjoy trying to figure stuff out yeah. and mm-hmm. make it understandable. Yeah. And this is a tough one. So let me give you a couple different definitions of it because there really isn't anything super consistent here. One of them, one of the better ones I found came from Education Weekly. 
which had to write an article. It's a it's a periodical for professional educators. It's called What is Critical Race Theory and Why Is It Under Attack? Because teachers need to figure this out. They're, they're like, what? Yeah. I'm teaching this? Yeah. <laughs> right. So here's what they say. Critical race theory is an academic concept that is more than 40 years old. The core idea is that racism is a social construct and that it is not merely a product of individual bias or prejudice, but also something embedded in legal systems and policies. Okay, what's a social construct? Okay, thank you. A social construct would be... uh, So racism is something that is invented by society, a social construct. It's like... If we don't genetically do that, it's like people and their sinfulness tend to create the realities where people discriminate based on race. Like there are no genetic differences between us. There's only melanin differences, right? Okay. So it's it's made up, a social mm-hmm. construct. And then again, that it's not just individual bias, but critical race theory says that there actually are, that racism is embedded in legal systems and policies okay. in a larger scale. It's not just... Ron is racist against Asians or something, which he's not. He is not, right. It's th- There would be like a system in society that is inherently racist against right. Asians. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the basic tenets of critical race theory, also known as CRT, if you want to be cool, CRT, <laughs> it emerged out of a framework for legal analysis in the late 1970s and 1980s, created by legal scholars Derek Bell, Kimberly Crenshaw, and Richard Delgado. So literally a group of attorneys created this. But it's a 40-year-old concept. It's been that, around for a while. Yeah. That they, they... Wow. They, the they kind of 80s was 40 years ago, wasn't it? Isn't that wild to think about? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just grew a beard here. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and so, this, is that clear as mud to you? It's getting there. Yeah. I mean, it's not no. something you go, oh, I get it now. Eh, okay. So, right. l- go- going on, here's what they say in, in Education Weekly. A good example of this is when in the 1930s, Government officials literally drew lines around areas deemed poor financial risks, often explicitly due to racial composition of the inhabitants. And then banks refused to offer mortgages to black people in those areas. Mm -hmm. I think everyone accepts that as true nowadays. Right. Nobody argues that. And so here's another example, which I think is a better one. And if I were advising Education Weekly, I would do this. Chief Justice Thurgood Marshall of the United States Supreme Court, right? Before he was... A Supreme Court justice, he was a very famous civil rights attorney. Mm-hmm. And one of his greatest triumphs was winning Brown versus Board of Education. Right. And the whole concept of Brown versus Board of Education, which is one of the almost universally known Supreme Court cases for American people, mm-hmm. was when the Supreme Court declared, yeah, you know what it looks like? Our education system is segregated. And so what Thurgood Marshall and his team were able to prove was that the system of public education at the time was not only segregated by race, but it was unfair and unequal based on its implementation and its funding. And so like Mm -hmm. the quality of education you could get in white schools, which were legally segregated and lawfully segregated, was better than you could get at black schools. Right. And And up until that time, they were under the banner of separate but equal. Right? Right. And he proved that they're separate, but they're not equal. Exactly. Gotcha. And so with that in mind, keep in mind, so is it possible that there was a a white teacher in the South teaching at a white school that wasn't a rabid racist? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. There were individual people who were not racist, who were working in a system that was racist. Mm -hmm. But uh, in terms, and going back a little bit to the social construct and even what you just said right now, 
the system is set up because of racism in people's hearts, right? So it's not like the system's out there and we're like victims of it. So that's what I like, or like it's made up. It's coming from basic sin in human hearts that develop these systems. Yeah. And then the same thing maintains them. Right. Okay. So yes, we're not to like not own some of it. Humans... So with that in mind, I also have another article that talks about the definition of what is critical race theory. If it's the boogeyman, we want to turn the lights on. The Gospel Coalition, which is a very reputable source, has done a series, a whole series of articles led primarily by Neil Shenvey is one of the authors of this. And he is a person who says that critical race theory is incompatible with Christianity. It's incompatible with the gospel. You cannot say, I subscribe wholeheartedly to critical race theory and be someone who, who like, says, I love Jesus and the gospel. Okay. And here's how he describes critical race theory. Okay. Modern critical race theory views reality through the lens of power. Each individual is seen either as oppressed or as an oppressor, depending on their race, class, gender, sexuality, and a number of other categories. Oppressed groups are subjugated not by physical force or even overt discrimination, but through the, the ability of dominant groups to impose their norms, values, and expectations on society as a whole relegating other groups to subordinate positions. And then he goes through a whole long reason why there's some aspects of critical race theory that are very dangerous when you compare them to the gospel. And I don't have time to go out through all of them. Okay. But there are aspects of it that are, that are not okay. Mm-hmm. And yet even he says, quote, first, not everything that critical race theory affirms is false. Okay. He says, like almost any discipline, there are areas in which Christians should agree with critical theory. Mm. And this isn't an article that says it's incompatible with the gospel. Yeah. Okay. He says, for example, critical race theorists affirm that race, as it's been defined historically and legally, is a social construct and not a concept legitimately rooted in human nature or human biology. It's like, it's created. Yeah. And also he says that the notion of hegemonic power is also legitimate. So like Christians have long recognized how various institutions can intentionally or unintentionally perpetuate ideas like secularism naturalism and relativism that create resistance to the gospel. So like uh, there is such a thing as institutions and powers that can create policies and institutions that fight against the gospel. Yeah. Right. So even the guy who says it's dangerous for gospel coalition says there's aspects of it that we can agree with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So who would like to offer a summary now of what critical race theory is? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, let me take a stab at it. It's when one group that is dominant and in power in some area in influences or enforces their will on those non-dominant groups within them. Um, for example, you know, most people can easily see this in Iran or Iraq or the Soviet Union to a point more so before than now. But if you're a Christian in that area, you definitely do not have the freedoms of the predominant people in that country, in any one of those countries. And oftentimes you suffer for your faith because they don't want you to have power or to have a good life. Sure. You know, I appreciate that, Ron. I think it's a good summary. 
What is critical race theory? I, I think anyone who claims they can give you a one sentence definition is a liar. Honestly. Yeah. And I think even as good as Ron Summary was, and as hard as we tried to find solid definitions, what we can say is that it's complicated. Yeah. And I think Pastor Charlie Dates is right, that it's not all that clear to anybody. Yeah. It's a little nebulous. It's like a legal abstract concept that now people today have taken and run with it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's confusing and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Even the guy at Gospel Coalition who says it's dangerous for the gospel says there's parts of it that are true. Yeah. So what do we do with controversial theories like this? Nebulous theories that people debate about what it really means and how it applies to us. What do we as followers of Christ do with this? We'll talk about that in light of some recent stories that highlight the fact that racism is not only still a real problem, but a real problem in the church. Mm -hmm. Yes. Hey, it's Brian. If you've been a faithful listener to this podcast, we're just super grateful for you. Can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us in our journey to follow Jesus a little more closely every day. But I got to remind you about something. We're listener supported. We're a ministry of Moody Radio in Cleveland, and it's donations from people who listen to us, just like you, that allow us to keep making episodes. So rather than tiptoe, because I'm not good at that, or dance around it, because I certainly can't dance, I'm going to be direct. We need your money, your financial support. Would you consider a donation to this ministry? A gift of any amount will make a huge difference. If you want to donate, we'd be so grateful. Just go to moodyradio.org slash Cleveland. Again, moodyradio.org slash Cleveland. Thanks. We've been spending some time trying to turn the lights on the boogeyman. And the boogeyman in society, both in politics and in faith, it's something now that it's become the thing that people are worried about is critical race theory. And so since we'd like to talk about today's issues from a biblical perspective, we're going to do our best to just try to shine a light on this and try to figure out what in the world's going on. As we talk about it and talk about what it is and like how it started in the 70s by some legal professionals, I think the question I have is, why is it becoming a thing now, 50 years later, and especially a concern? But like, when did this start becoming mainstream conversation? I think, honestly, a little over a year ago, after the death of George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd, people started talking a lot more about race again. Okay. And there's always competing thoughts about, I mean, there are people who claim racism doesn't exist. I don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's legitimate debate about what to do about racism. Mm -hmm. And so critical race theory, I know we summarized it, but it includes action steps? It's a framework for which you can view racism in society and therefore use that framework to do something about it. It's a view of what to do about it, I think. And so there's a number of different definitions I could give you. None of them are short enough to have it make sense. (laughs) But at the end of the day, its core ideas are that racism is a social construct. Mm -hmm. It's created by man, Mm -hmm. which the gospel would agree with that idea. It's a full kind of thing. It's what we would say. But that it's not just that people that are racist. But institutions themselves can can have embedded qualities and policies that would make them racist as well. Now, what it's not, by the way, is what many people are doing now is anytime someone mentions diversity, inclusion, any of those things, mm-hmm. they're lumping that in with critical race theory and saying, get rid of it. 
Okay. Which we can't just say anything related to race is under the umbrella of critical race theory because that's not true. Yeah. Right. So first of all, I think that, so we've tried to establish what is critical race theory. Right. So what do we do as followers of Christ with controversial theories? What do we do? We look at them through the lens of scripture. Right. Don't make it so easy, Ron. Come on, I know, this is supposed to be hard. <laughs> but really doing it is hard. It's easy for me to give that answer. Actually doing that is hard. It's really hard. And I think one of the best parallels would be, what do you do with a controversial theory like, I don't know, evolution? Mm-hmm. Just talking to my kids yesterday about, yeah. about evolution. It came up based on Museum of Natural History and it's one of their... Ooh, yeah. Displays or whatever. Oh my goodness, the one in the front. I haven't actually been there yet. We're going real soon, but uh, yeah, there's one there that's disturbing. <laughs> yeah, as a believer, it's just disturbing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm glad you guys were talking about that. So what what do we do with it yeah. as Christians? Do we ban it, burn it, grab pitchforks and torches? Because that's what I, I was <laughs> thinking when you said look at it through the lens of scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're willing to look at it, because I know a lot of believers like it's easier to just say we don't talk about that that's not in the bible just kind of stay it's uncomfortable to deal with controversial things it's very uncomfortable and some people spiritualize it and say it's not about what we believe so we don't even talk about it and for example there's believers that don't want to talk about evolution don't want it taught even though it's just a theory Mm -hmm. that scientists consider i I think that's how we lose so many of the generations that follow us because we won't talk about it at all. Mm -hmm. And so then they're faced with their public school educators and their, you know, secular college and university teachers and stuff are teaching them this and gladly talking to them and their church friends and church leaders are like, well, that's wrong. It's all wrong. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. Throw it all away. And so they, they have nothing to compare it to. Yeah. We're just saying this happened and just believe it mm-hmm. instead of sitting down and get a book by Hugh Ross or somebody and, right. and go through it and be like, see, now we can, we can work to work these scientific truths together with the gospel and it makes sense. And so as an educator, I'm somebody who would say, I got no problem teaching evolution as long as you offer some alternative views yeah. to mm-hmm. students of like some people, and most schools do this. Like there's people who believe in intelligent design. There's people yeah. who believe in evolution. Yeah. And then you look at evolution and I think it's silly. And yeah. it's obviously silly when you look at it in light of scripture. And I was able to explain to my daughter in just a few minutes yesterday how to look at it and be able to say things even like, you know, macro evolution is not real, but micro evolution is a thing. Exactly. Yeah. Species yes. do change over time. We know that. Yeah. And that's how the theory was developed. So mm-hmm. I can look at it and go, well, this part's true. This part's not Let's keep this part. Let's throw out that part. And then what you're teaching That's what thinking people to, do. Right. right. In terms of empowering our children to learn how to deal with and wrestle with complicated topics, even believers, like you have even grown believers that are afraid to handle it. And I think it, it doesn't strengthen your faith to know the Bible, like as a believer, I can deal with things and pick the things that are fine. That's something that with um, apologetics is something that is encouraged a lot. We're not afraid to deal with the questions. Jesus wasn't afraid to deal with the questions and tough topics. So I like empowering our kids to do that. Go out in the world. You don't got to fear topics. God can handle in the Bible and the Word can handle any of those. Because I do believe and trust that God's Word is true. Yes, exactly. 
Therefore, anything that contradicts it is not scary. Yeah. It's wrong and objectively false. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm not afraid of other ideas. Yes. Bring them on. Right. God's ideas win every time. That's right. And so if we go in with that confidence in scripture, we don't have to be scared of those ideas. Yeah. It is, it's an odd parallel, but faith over fear, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but with, with that in mind, again, what do we do with controversial theories? I think we examine them through yeah. the lens of scripture, as Ron said. We reject the parts that are unbiblical yeah. and we go, oh, cool. Look at this part. That's true. Mm -hmm. It's a way to find common ground with people, right? Okay. But with critical race theory, then wouldn't that same thing apply? Of course. That what we would do is we try to figure out what it is, reject the bad parts, mm -hmm. and say, but you know, they do have a point on these couple of, of issues, which by the way, again, the Gospel Coalition writer we highlighted earlier this morning says that the critical theory is incompatible with Christianity, but it does have aspects that are true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So isn't, isn't, like, don't be afraid of it. That's right. There's stuff in that's wrong and stuff that's right. Is that hard? I don't think it's I, complicated. Uh, yeah. That's, <laughs> I think that's right. good. It works. I, yeah. You have to understand it before you just blanketly deny it and demonize it. And uh, so understanding it means you're going to have to study it. And you'll be surprised. You'll find, hey, I agree with that. Yeah. And see, my assertion would be that if we start to make critical race theory the boogeyman, mm -hmm and lump any discussion of racism and bigotry and oppression into the pile of critical race theory and start advocating against it as the scariest thing in the whole world, it kind of sounds like we think racism is dumb and don't care about it, don't we? Yes. With yes. an unnuanced position. And you, position, and you go, it, yeah. you want to talk about diversity? That's critical race theory. It's Marxism. Yes. Get it out of here. Yeah. As a Christian, I have to live in a world where critical race theory is incompatible with the gospel, but racism still exists. Mm -hmm. And so how can I be a person who says, I want to be able to be clear about the incompatibility of it with the gospel and equally as clear about the wickedness of racism? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. We have to have a nuanced position or we look racist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We look racist. Yeah. So I bring that up because The Atlantic just published an article that Janelle and I were like, how are we going to do this? Yeah. It's called The Scandal Rocking the Evangelical World. And it's what happened with a guy who's a regular guest on the show. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a perfect illustration of the fact that even though there's many things dangerous about critical race theory, racism is still a problem even in the church. I'm going to throw out an example here. I don't think it'll get me in trouble with the bosses, but if it does, it's, <laughs> it's been, been nice, nice working with you. <laughs> but Moody Radio, years ago, used to always have any black preacher was on the weekend, Saturday or Sunday night. Mm -hmm. And weekday nights were Lily White. <laughs> and it was brought to our attention, and eventually it worked its way through the system to where now we have preachers, you know, various ethnicities on, I don't know exactly what the makeup is, but I think James Ford was probably one of the, well, no, Tony Evans would have been the first. Yeah. And then James Ford has been on quite a bit. And, you know, it's good to see the diversity, but when you look back, you think, why was that? Why did that happen? I don't think people intentionally said, oh, well, this preacher has too much melanin in his skin to really be able to share the gospel. It just happened somehow. Well, and you're not going to like this, but 
Tony Evans was one of the first black preachers to be on Christian radio, mm-hmm. evangelical Christian radio, white evangelical. Moody Radio was the first to put him on the air. And it was not without controversy. Yeah. I, mm. I have a good friend who shall remain nameless in radio who in the 90s started working in radio as an on-air talent yeah. and was asked to sound less black because people didn't like it. Hmm. Wow. So I bring all this up because what do we do with the idea that we have a very controversial theory that has some true things about it that we need to be concerned about? Right. But we don't want to make it seem like racism isn't a thing because it is a thing. I mean, the examples we just gave is one of them. And the big one that the Atlantic called the scandal rocking the evangelical world is one of our regular contributors, Dr. Russell Moore, swiftly exited his job at the Southern Baptist Convention. But not just that. He left the denomination. Hmm. And there have been some letters leaked. One of them was one. I've got the full transcript of this letter he sent to the executive committee of the Board of Trustees for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention in February of 2020. And he describes one, he left for two reasons. Okay. And he had concerns for two things. One of them was how the Southern Baptist Convention was handling scandals related to sexual abuse. Yeah. And the other is, well, this. Here's what he writes. At the same time, the other absolutely draining and unrelenting issue that has been that of racial reconciliation. My family and I have faced constant threats from white nationalists and white supremacists, including within our convention. Some of them have been involved in neo-Confederate activities going back for years. Some are involved with groups funded by white nationalist nativist organizations. Some of them have just expressed raw racist sentiments behind closed doors. They want to deflect the issue to arcane discussions that people do not understand, such as critical race theory. (laughs) There is no Southern Baptist that I know of any ethnicity who is motivated by any critical theory, but by the text of Ephesians and Galatians and Romans and the Gospels themselves, the framework of Revelation chapters 4 and 5. From the beginning of my service, I've been attacked with the most vicious guerrilla tactics on such matters, and I've been told to be quiet about this by others. One Southern Baptist leader, who was at the forefront of these behind-closed-doors assaults, had ripped me to shreds verbally for saying in 2011 that the Southern Baptist Convention should elect an African-American president. Wow. This same leader told a gathering that, quote, the conservative resurgence is like the Civil War, except this time, unlike the last one, the right side won. (laughs) And then he said, I walked out of that gathering, as did one of you. Wow. As in somebody who was claiming... The South should have won the Civil War. Right. Yikes. This is a Southern Baptist leader. So, and he goes on to say, another SBC leader used constant pressure against me in protest of a hiring of Dan Darling and Trillia Newbell in 2013. Both of them guests on our show. Mm-hmm. At that time, this was, he said, because he was told they did not have adequate Southern Baptist backgrounds. When I answered his questions, Dr. Moore writes, to his face, the, this leader who was concerned about it, he said, I was just really concerned about that black girl, whether she's an egalitarian. When I asked what possibly could lead him to think that a woman who has written complementarian articles for complementarian websites was an egalitarian, he responded, a lot of those black girls are. Wow. This is 2013. The same leader also let me have it when I said that white Christians should join our black Christian sisters and brothers in lamenting when black men are shot. 
And what this person declared is that only those with guns would prevent black people from burning down all of our cities. Hmm. And he said, this is just a tiny sample of what I experienced every single day. So all that to say, I think what is, it's exposing, his letter is exposing, is that mm, racism still is a problem. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And how In could the you church. not think that a leader like that with those views wouldn't, like those views wouldn't impact the way he leads and the policies, like within the church that he sets and the decisions he makes, the people he hires. You know, like, it's hard to separate that and to think it's not having, it doesn't seep into the culture of the church, at least that's touched by that individual. So one of the leaders later said to Russell Moore, um, we know we can't take you down. All our wives and kids are with you. This is psychological warfare to make you think twice before you do or say something. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, this actually happened. Wow. And by, by the way, this this story is from a credible source, Dr. Russell Moore, and has been verified by multiple journalists yeah. from multiple people who are eyewitnesses to these accounts. Mm-hmm. To admit that someone who is first your brother in Christ and then also even closer in the same denomination as you, a leader within your denomination, and yet you admit that you are waging warfare against him. Mm -hmm. And you can say that and your conscience isn't pricked with a hot iron. I have to wonder, you know, is the Holy Spirit living in you? Or are you faking this? It's troubling, isn't it? Which leads us to, I think, the final question we have to ask in regards to critical race theory. Hmm. If racism exists and critical race theory has unbiblical tenets, what do we do? Mm-hmm. Because what a lot of people are doing is going, let's see, critical race theory. Oh, that's a lot of bad stuff in there. Let's never talk about racism and diversity because yes. it's critical race theory. Right. And we are people who, I mean, the Bible is very clear multiple times about our role to speak out for the oppressed, mm-hmm. to defend the oppressed. Uh, I mean, there's the parable of the Good Samaritans, arguably one of the most famous parables of Jesus and the reason it's so shocking is because of the racial implications in it. Because the Samaritan, not the Jewish leader, was right. the one who helped him. Mm-hmm. And Samaritans were a race or a group of people that were viewed terribly at the time, right? Right. So what do we do? What do we do with the idea that racism exists in the church? Clearly, mm-hmm. Russell Moore has exposed that. And we've got a theory that it's, we are rightfully concerned about. Yeah. I just don't think, I don't understand why we have to get caught up on labels and categories and names. So, like, forget critical race theory. I'm saying as believers, being passionate about injustice, being passionate about sin within the church, Mm. calling it out, speaking out about it. We need more brothers and sisters like Russell Moore who are in circles like that and speaking out and standing up even when you don't have to. Like, he didn't have to do that. Right. You know, and so that's what troubles me, that we get caught up on labels. And so, like you say, it's easy to then wash it away and say, oh, no, this thing has a problem versus the root of the issue, which is sin and racism and speaking out about it. And if you don't 
recognize Russell Moore. He's he's a white man. Yes, thank you. So it's <laughs> it's right. not like they're they're attacking him because of his race. Mm-hmm. No, he's a white man who's standing up and saying racism is a sin and it's here in the church and we need to to dig it out like a weed. And they're attacking him because apparently they're comfortable in their yeah. sin. He's a white man. He's in those close circles in leadership. And he doesn't have to say anything. You see what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. he's he's speaking out and being okay with releasing his title or power or whatever mm-hmm. because he's so passionate about sin and injustice. And I think it's something to applaud. And that's what we need more of. Yes. Not so much backup critical. Who cares about critical race theory and about agendas? Mm-hmm. Believers should be the first ones in line to say, I don't stand for this and I'm going to call it out. Yeah. And I think we ought to at the same time be aware of what critical race theory is mm-hmm. and aware of how it can be dangerous. And, and the tools that can help empower us to fight against racism. If you're saying it's included in critical race theory, Shouldn't we be curious about it and say, hey, let's see how it could help us do something about about racism? Like there are things in evolution that Christians can say, well, microevolution is a thing and there's scientific evidence for it. So maybe we can look at that. Let's see what we can learn from that. Right. Right. So I think we can take critical race theory for what it's worth, understand it, and then do what you're doing, Janelle. Say, set it aside. Yeah. Because we shouldn't view race issues in society, let alone in America, through the lens of critical race theory. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to figure out what to do about racism in America and your primary source is critical race theory, you're wrong. Yeah. You the talk, scriptures is all we need. And talking about racism, like you said, it's been around. Mm. Do what Paul did. He called Peter out. He didn't need critical race theory. <laughs> you know? You're right. He didn't need that to call it out. What was happening with Peter in the early church was wrong, and Paul called it out. Be mm-hmm. that. And maybe this for follow-up, but somebody's asking, so what are the items in critical race theory that go against the Bible? I would encourage you to go at this point and check out a Gospel Coalition article called The Incompatibility of Critical Race Theory and Christianity. And the Gospel Coalition has a number of resources Mm. where you could go check it out. But at the end of the day, use scripture. Yeah. Don't deny that racism is a thing because it is. And let's use the gospel as the answer to these issues. The, the, The salvific power of Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel to redeem wickedness in society and in people, I should say, is what we should be focused on. And we can be. Hey, hold up. Where are you going? You know you like your time with us. You want more. So go ahead, look down, hit that button right there and subscribe and you'll get updated episodes and then you can hang some more. And guess what? You can help us out. How? A five-star rating. Hello. You can also hang with us live weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Download the Moody Radio mobile app, and you're able to connect with us. Or just go to brianandjanelle.org. And we didn't put this together all by ourselves. There's some great people behind this production. We want to thank Ron Eastwood, Kelly Ryder, Paul Carter, Mike Reynolds, Alan Perry, and our awesome and fearless leader, Josue Villa. And finally, this podcast is a production of Moody Radio in Cleveland, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.